Do you want to do an overall draft statement? What do you think of the draft? This crop? Any um, strong positions, any strong players? Well, um, we'd love to have a pick. I think a pick is an asset, so we'd like to have it. Don't. Um, we don't also. We also don't have the luxury of um, bringing players in. It's pretty cus customary that if you don't have a pick, it's harder to get. Certainly the top players, and then also even some second round players to visit you. But uh, I think it's hard. It's always hard. The draft is especially with a lot of young players leaving and a lot of foreign players. It's always a difficult evaluation. A lot of it is based on potential. I think this year's the same. You'll see a lot of young players, I think, drafted high. Um, should be a good, pretty good foreign crop. You could see some foreign players in the first round. But um, it's certainly uh, one, one thing it might lack, which is to be determined, is, is, is absolute franchise guys. But maybe some of them will become those. It's hard to gauge at this point. Whereas in the past, sometimes I think you could pinpoint those guys a little easier. If you can't bring guys in at the rate you, you hope, Hypothetically, if you got a pick, I guess what are you relying on more? If you can't, can't see him in person. Well, we one thing I prescribe to is is uh, the best way to evaluate somebody is to see him play five on five because that's what they do and that's what we care about. Um, so we do our work during the year. We we treated the season, the scouting season, as if we did have a pick because you never know what's going to happen the night of the draft. So whether it was seeing the player. Two times, three times, four times, it depends on who it was on the staff and who had the ability to do that. We put a lot of emphasis on seeing the players throughout the course of the year. We try to see them early, we try to see them later, try to see them at least a couple times because sometimes you see a different player in, 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 in two separate games. So uh, we did the work then, but it's, it's, it, it's obviously nice if you are in a position to make a high selection or any selection to have them come through your facility. We'd prefer that. Um, if, if we could get them to come in, we, we would love to see them. But not having that ability, we, uh, we visited, um, we went to a camp in Brooklyn where they had a lot of players, about 50, 60 players. We went to Minnesota where there was some players there. Went to some agent workouts in Los Angeles where we did get to see some of the higher projected picks. Uh, we went to Europe. So really it's been a lot more travel because we haven't had players to come in here. You guys have gotten in, found a way to get a second round pick the last couple of years, bought a second round pick. Can you put an odds and chances on doing that again this year? Well, I guess, what do they say, past performance doesn't predict future results. Yeah, right. But in this case it might because we've, the thing I would take from that is is that our ownership's willing to spend. I think thankfully for our front office and myself, we have an ownership group that if we designate a player we're spending on, they'll, they'll give us the green light. Whereas I think in, in other situations, there may be an, a mandate in the other direction saying we're not buying a pick, um, just so you know. We, we have almost the antithesis of that here where if, if our ownership and Joe feel like it's a prudent move, then they'll authorize the spending. And a lot of those things go down to the wire and are predicated on if a certain player is going to be there and, um, but again, our, our resources are somewhat limited. We have 1.6 million to spend, as opposed to um, 3 million, or 3.1, I think, is the most you're allocated through the course of a year. So, if you look at the past histories of drafts, it depends on what that can buy you. 
might get one. Yeah, I mean, I think the way, I think um, there's two ways to get a first-round pick, or, or there's more than two ways, but two ways that come to mind are you'd have to trade something of value. First-round picks aren't given away. I think the last time a first-round pick was sold outright was in 09 or something of that degree. I don't know if it was Phoenix or somebody did that. Um, I think it was $3 million. So there's two ways to do it. There's giving up a player a value and also buying one or, or lastly, trading a future pick. And um, it's a difficult thing. We don't, we don't like not having a pick. So you want to hang on to future picks as much as you can for a variety of reasons. Uh, but those, that would be the way, most likely. And then obviously there's always the possibility of some larger deal. But um, Are there picks, one or two, available that you've heard? Well, you know, people use the word available – uh, in the way of, uh, I think every pick's available to a certain degree. I, I mean, even the first pick, I would say, if it's the right deal, gets moved. But um, I do think in this year's draft, whether it's teams that have multiple picks or teams that are trying to create space, obviously you've seen one organization come out and say that they would like to move their pick. Um, so there's picks available. Oftentimes, if you're targeting a pick, you would target a team that has multiple picks because they're more likely to move one, knowing they have another one. Um, so there's picks available, and as it gets closer, um, should we decide that's a, a way we want to go, we'd look at situations like that that uh, have multiple picks. Draft night has almost become uh, almost like a trade deadline where a lot of the conversations you have throughout the summer come to fruition at, at draft night. How, how many irons do you have in the fire that, that could come to fruition on that night? Well, I think the percentage of deals that actually get consummated as opposed to ones that are discussed, is probably 5%. Meaning if you have 100 conversations, five things actually come to pass, maybe even less, to be honest. So what we're doing right now as a front office and staff is um, gathering information, exploring different possibilities. Uh, and, and until you actually know the reality of a situation, like you mentioned, Rusty, until it gets much closer, it's hard to gauge the seriousness of discussions. Um, last year's draft having four picks there was a plethora of conversations many knowing we had four picks or, and so it was a little bit different but this year I would say by not having a pick we're less in those conversations um, but conversely people view our roster as having some assets so we get some calls How far can you go not knowing you know, with Jared and with Carl can you go before July 1, July 8, July Yeah. Well, Carl, we purposely, in his deal, he has to make his decision prior to the draft, and that was purposeful, as does Brandon Rush. Brandon Rush has already made his decision. Um, so that's nice to have that knowledge, at least, prior to the draft, whether Carl will be on a roster next year or not. Jared Jack's different. He's an unrestricted free agent. Carl might become an unrestricted free agent. Was that date? I think it's the 26th. Is the day before the draft. Yeah, day before the draft. So that was, that was done with the intention of having the ability to evaluate where we were with or without Carl Landry. Um, Jared Jack <coughs> may not even know until July 10th or 20th. It's, it's, it's unrestricted free agency. And having been on the other side of unrestricted free agency as an agent, the, the best way to characterize it is it's uh, predictably unpredictable. I mean, you just... The one thing you can say is there's, there's all these scenarios you think are possible, and then 20 new ones will come up. Um, and it's a lot like having a domino effect in, in free agency. 
Um, there's a limited amount of teams, a limited amount of space. Everybody's pining for those spots, that money. And so a lot of different things, um, a lot of different outcomes are, are possible. So it's hard to say. I mean, it's, you have to be flexible. You have to be quick on your feet. You have to have information. I think one thing our organization uh, has become strong in is information, whether it's relationships with other teams or agents. Having information as to what's going on outside of yourself is important. Um, and we work hard to cultivate those type of relationships and, and keep them in a positive way. So we have the best way of knowing what's going on. The worst thing in free agency is getting surprised. Um, even if you don't like the answers you're getting, at least you're getting answers. So that's, that's how we try to approach free agency. And hopefully we're getting truthful responses from whether it's agents or other teams. Do you anticipate Carl taking the complete time? I think so. I don't know. I mean, honestly, this isn't to deflect. You guys might have a better chance at finding out than I do. Okay. Um, if I could know now, that'd be great, or if we could know now. But um, I imagine he will. I guess he will. Um, because I think it's going to be a difficult decision in some respects. That's my opinion. We don't need a pick. I mean, I think what we would look at is if it makes sense and there's a nice young player, it's always good to have young players. Um, they're cheaper. Um, and if you can play on a rookie scale and help a team win, it's, it's a very valuable commodity. So you're, so you're always looking to get them. The fact that we do have a lot of young players makes it that it's not, it's not desperate. We're not desperate to get one. But um, if you can find good players on rookie deals, you always want to do that. So uh, we're always looking at it. Always looking to trying to get one. Well, I think with Azili surgery, whether it's getting a pick or a free agent, we have to be aware that there's a possibility that, that we need a backup five or a four or five. So we'll look at that position a little differently. I think we'd be naive to think that that surgery doesn't change anything. I think it does. We have to make sure we have some more insurance at that position. Um, so we'll look at that. Whether that's in the draft or free agency or trade, we'll definitely explore all of our options. You mentioned Rush made his decision. Have you heard anything from Jefferson and Beatrice about their I think they both yeah, made it. Yeah, I think they're in. They're all in, except for Landry, <laughs> which um, is probably what a lot of people expected. I mean, Brandon coming off the injury. Um, you get in the KG mix of that backup world now. <laughs> Do you try to get me in trouble here? I should ask this, is Jerry Tyler a free agent? Or he's, he's free, right? Yeah, he's, he's free, free, but the t rule is kind of an idea. We can't, can't, we can't resign him for a year. He played on our D-League team. Under the new... What? Yeah. I think it might... I'm not... I don't know. He was waived by another... I mean, obviously, he was yeah. traded and waived. So I'm not sure what the rule is on something like that. Yeah, you would think that would hurt the Yeah, point. yeah. Check on I don't know. i got to look at that, but... but I, I don't know that I don't think he's gonna be on our summer league team. I think he might be on our summer league team, but I'll check on that. Let's see. Would he be an, uh, an outside option if you could? Maybe. We'd look at it. I mean, the ideal player is one that can play four or five. We'd have to see um, if he fits that. But played some four or five, mostly in the D league. It's the best look we had at him. But um, you know, I think in that regard. We'll have to hopefully find a player with good value because we have a lot of money in the in the center position right now, with with obviously Bogut and Beedrins. 
So I don't think it'd be an expensive signing. How's uh, David Lee's uh, rehabilitation going? Do you have any idea of the time frame? Yeah, I think um, from what we hear, he's progressing well, and um, all indications are that he'll be ready by camp. But I um, wish I had a medical degree, but, but we, we feel pretty good that he'll be ready to go. And uh, in talking to him, he feels the same way. So uh, I don't anticipate any problems, but I'll leave myself a small out. But I don't anticipate any issues with his, him being ready to go. Is there anything new on Rush? He was joking around about playing in the playoffs. <laughs> I know it was a joke. Right, right, right. But is there anything new on him? No, I mean, he, I think he's, um, the, as, a, as a sidebar, he, he recovered, he had an expedited recovery to his previous ACL, so mm -hmm. sometimes everybody heals a little differently. And uh, I think he's doing well. I think he hasn't gone through what matters, which is playing basketball. Um, so seeing how he responds to that, how his body responds, it's the ultimate test, and that's the hard thing to predict is how, how you hold up to something like that. But um, we're hoping he's going to be helpful for us next year. We're hoping he'll be healthy. and um, I think that's it's, it's sometimes something that we overlook even as a front office is not having Rush at all. It's almost like having a free agent signing and signing Brandon Rush. We didn't have him for 95% of the season, and he's a good player. So we're looking forward to him being able to help us next year. Do you expect any more medical procedures? Bogan and stuff yeah, you know, pretty bad. I mean, was, we tried you know, to, we, we, at the end of every season, so, so everybody understands what goes on, is it's a lot of this is a gray area. I mean, if, if something's black and white, you either don't have surgery or you do. A lot of it, especially in today's, any environment, any sports organization, it's hard to tell. A lot, a lot of surgeries are preventative and to a certain degree. Um, maybe um, you'd be more proactive to try to cut off a potential concern. But uh, with Azili, with it, was, it was more of a, should we handle this now or just hope that nothing comes up in the future? And our thought was after speaking to three or four doctors outside of our organization even, that it was best to take care of it. But as of today, I'd be, <laughs> I didn't think that was going to happen, but um, as of today, I w if we would have had a, needed to do a surgery, I think we would have done it. Um, barring any unforeseen injuries, I think we're hopefully done with surgeries for the for the off season. It's such a great turnout for the off season and stuff last year. Even both, it was. I mean, you expected all these guys, David and Brandon, to, to be here most of the summer. Well, a lot of the guys are here. I mean, um, yeah, we are. I think that they. I think one of the reasons we were successful last year is that we came out of the gates pretty strong and we're a little bit ahead of what some of the other teams were as far as playing together and having been around each other and, and being ready to go. I think it contributed to having a, a good start to the year. Um, so I think that the players having experienced that experiment as, as being successful, hopefully they'd want to do it again. I've heard that that's what, what the goal is. Obviously, as a front office, we can't make them be here, but, but some of the best organizations do exactly that. They show up early and uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. And I think what was a little bit surprising about last year's success was the fact that the, there was the chemistry developed as quickly as it did with a lot of new pieces to the team. So hopefully coming back a year with at least most of the same team, um, it can be even better, would be the hope.
haven't played together and been through a season together. When do you need to make decisions on some of the nine guaranteed guys, the Bazemores and Machado? I think Bazemore, I have to look and I can get back to you, but I think um, Machado's on, I think it's non-guaranteed and I don't know that there's a date. And then I think Bazemore might have an August date or something. I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's certainly past summer league. If if there's a date at all, I have to look at it. Um, so. Talk to Marquise after having been in the talk uh, on his extension or anything like that. Was that the way it's scheduled? Do you plan to at some point sit down with Mark? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is he, what did he say? He said we haven't talked about it at all or we yeah. haven't resolved it? This is not really not. Yeah, I mean. I mean, again, he's not in these meetings. No, 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 no. So we've t- I think on, in regards to that, I think we'll continue to talk. And my hope and I think goal is to get everybody feeling good about whatever result transpires. But I think we will. So I you think, have talked to him. Yeah, I've talked to him. But, again, there's, there's conversations about let's get together or what about this thought, what about that thought. It's not as a – I assume you got from Mark that it wasn't a contentious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel the same way. Uh, I hope – I don't think it will rise to that. But um, – we have some ideas we've exchanged, and I think hopefully we'll, we'll find a way to make the organization happy and Mark happy. I'm confident that I think we can do that. But we're not, we haven't agreed to anything um, at this point, but we've had conversations. It's a little bit unique because it's ARN, so it's not as formal as let's have a meeting about Mark's contract. It's more of as we talk about other things, hey, let's, let's, what do you think on this about Mark or that about Mark? So it's a more, I guess, amicable exchange than maybe it might be or less formal but that doesn't mean it doesn't get done um, the best thing is is that I think all the parties involved feel good about whatever happens and that's the that's the positive part about all of it I read your piece it was good no we've talked about different ideas um, and again it's, it's just like when I get we get the question on Jared Jack do you want to resign Jared Jack, or are you going to resign Jared Jack? It's not as if it's entirely a unilateral decision. Um, so that's that's how it is in anything. Anything, um, both sides have a say in whatever decisions are made and whatever's agreed to. So we've talked internally, we've exchanged some different thoughts, um, but it has to work for both sides. That's the only way, and especially in a situation with a coach, everybody's got to feel good about the outcome, um, and, and obviously with the player too, especially when he's an unrestricted free agent. What will the process be like to replace Malone on the coaching side? Uh, well, you know, we've had some pretty extensive conversations about that with Mark. Um, I think he did a great job filling out the previous staff. Obviously, uh, we like the growth uh, in the in the young players. And done a great job developing players. If you look at Clay, obviously Azili, Draymond, Harrison, uh, and you track their progression for Clay two years, for the other rookies for one. Uh, one, one of the emphasis we put on coaching from a front office standpoint is developing players, especially when we have a somewhat young team. And we think it, they did a tremendous job in that aspect. Obviously, we can all have our own opinions of, of how things went, and, but I do think in the playoffs, certainly, where coaching's at a premium, coaches did a great job going against some legendary coaches as far as strategizing X's and O's, things of that nature. So we have confidence um, in Mark to, to pick what, we, what he thinks is the best staff. And again, we... Uh, Thankfully, have a good enough relationship where we exchange ideas and, and uh, talk about different options. Um, I think to the Malone point directly, what you want to eventually become is an organization where people covet what you're doing. 
um, whether it's your coaches or front office or anything. And we're, we're not there yet. Um, we're a long way from there. When you look at teams like San Antonio, where it seems like every week somebody's getting hired from their organization, um, we're not in that conversation. But you hope to become a place where people feel like uh, you can grow in your role, whether it's a coach, somebody in the front office, scout, whatever it might be. Is it strictly Mark's call, or is there? No, I, I mean, I think we. I, I think strictly is probably a hard, too harsh of a description of it. But, but, but if uh, I mean, we're going to follow his lead on it with with some collaboration. But again, it's his staff, and he's uh, he's got to agree with what he thinks is right. But that doesn't mean we don't exchange ideas. And and uh, yeah, he said that, and he, and I think um, you know he he uh, obviously is the people that are on the staff now. I think Pete. Been there a couple years. Erman's been there a couple years. Um, who else has been on the staff? A couple of years. Jerry, Weems. So, so most of the staff, I think four out of the six, he's had for a couple of years, and obviously Malone left. So um, he's gotten a good feel for their strengths and how he values them, and we have to trust him. And we're obviously supportive or whatever he uh, whatever he decides. But the nice thing is, is we can talk about it and talk about all all the angles of it. But ultimately. We have to trust he makes the best decision. We think he will. Is there someone, is there a collection of players in the draft that will make you go in the pick? We just talked about that 10 minutes ago before we walked in here. I asked that in our room. I said, uh, if you could trade and get a pick in the top 20, who would you take? Um, went around the room and everybody had an opinion. So there's some guys that we, we agreed on, that there was some uniformity. But uh, again, Acquiring a pick in the lottery or in the top 20 is difficult, and you got to give up something. So the next question, then follow-up question to that is, if I was going in the room, what do you like, who do you like? And everybody had a couple names. You'd say, okay, what would you give up for that player? Would you give up a future first? Would you give up a young player? And then the conversation changes a little bit. Then people get a little quieter and say, well, I wouldn't give up that guy or I wouldn't give up that. So you find out how definitive the group is about a certain player when you ask what the price to get him would be because uh, that gives you a better gauge of it's easy to like somebody in the draft and say we would like to get him it's harder to say what would you give up to get him then you really find out the value of that player but we certainly have guys we like um, there's guys to like I'm sure you like I'm sure everybody has guys they like in the draft um, but if the cost to get him made sense we'd do it but it's it's usually pretty steep to get a pick in that uh, in that range. What we're talking about. Yeah, I think the new CBA has shown the want of a lot of teams to to get off contracts. I think the duration of deals um, is uh, is very important when you value contracts. How long do they go out? Um, Expiring contracts create a unique value. Whether whether the player's good or average or not as good, the fact that it's only one year of money makes those contracts more valuable. And uh, we have a lot of them, obviously. I think at this point and today, I think $38 million coming off, if I'm right. Something like that, um, if you include Rush opting in. So that's a big number. I don't think there's a trade <laughs> You don't see $38 million trades, but um, yeah, I think uh, the, the, the new system limitations, the new model for luxury tax, 
It's, it's the one sport, I told someone the other day, basketball, the NBA, the way the CBA is set up, as, as opposed to football or baseball, uh, a contract that's not worth its value going out is very difficult to, uh, to keep on your books. Football, a lot of it's not guaranteed. You cut a player. You see very good players cut in football every year because they're not worth their money. Baseball, because of the way the rules are structured, you don't have to match salary in a trade. There's no 125%, no 150%. Um, so you can see trades where 50 million goes out and 5 million comes back. You can't do that in the NBA unless the person has that much in cap space, which nobody ever does. So in basketball, and specifically in the NBA and the CBA, um, teams are being very careful to sign likely shorter deals and, and deals that hold their value. And if they sign one that doesn't, they're always looking for expirings to replace a potentially bad value contract. That's why, that's why I think they have value. So Beans has value? <laughs> Any expiring contract has value. <laughs> that's mostly to take back longer deals. Yeah, to take back longer deals or to put in a deal. Yeah. For example, um, if you wanted to match money and get back a player making 12 and the team that you were talking to wanted a young player and an expiring, and the young player made three and the expiring made nine or ten, there you, there you can get a deal. So um, whereas if, if, the, if the nine or ten million dollar deal was two years, that can likely kill a deal. So it's, it's a piece to add to a deal along with something positive where the team making the deal can stomach the contract for the rest of that season. So it's, it's not as painful. How, how much easier or harder is it to make those kind of expiring deals now versus you know, toward the trade deadline when you have to keep that contract for half the year? Well, the difference between doing it now is that the way you evalu evaluate your team changes from the draft to the trading deadline. In, in, in February, you have a much better sense of what direction your team's going in, whether it's going up, down, staying the same. And a lot of teams... For whatever reason, their season doesn't go like they planned. They may be doing better than they thought. They may be doing worse. And the likelihood of wanting to take on expiring or help a team get off money. We, we had to get off money last year at the tax. Um, who knows what's going to happen in 2014 at the trading deadline. Uh, it, I can tell you this. It's going to be different than it will be at the draft or in free agency because you're going to have had that window of time to evaluate your own team. So the value of that expiring will change. Either you'll say, season didn't go so well and we got to get off some money, or season didn't go so well, let's make a change and use this as a trade piece. Um, you can project what you think your season will be and, and trade expiring before that. Um, all you have at the deadline is a lot more information than you'd have at the draft or in free agency. What other uh, exceptions do you have available to you this offseason? Do you have many we have the uh, the issue with using the mid-level exception, the full mid-level, and the biannual is it subjects you to a tax apron, which is 75.6, which is basically, in layman's terms, a hard cap uh, that, that you can't exceed, period, end of story. So use those tools, and it's the way the system's set up. You shouldn't be allowed to exceed and go deep into the tax and have your mid-level and have your biannual. So what you have is what's called the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is 3.1 or something to that degree. You have minimum contracts. You're still able to re-sign your own players if you have them under bird rights. Um, but uh, because of our financial position, it restricts some flexibility to add players 
through those two devices because of that tax apron. It's possible, but it puts you up against a kind of a cliff that you can't go over, which is the tax apron. And it was designed to do that. Can you do something with um, assuming Jack decides to leave? Can you do something with that cap hole? No. Yeah. no. I think his cap hole, well, his cap hole is, I think, 8.1, mm-hmm. which is just the way the system It's an arbitrary um, calculation. Um, but it doesn't give us any tools. We can sign and trade him. Yeah. Um, but actual, his hold as an asset is not really an asset. It's actually a detriment for, for, not necessarily for us, but for teams that have players on big holds, it cuts into your space. The only way to create space is to renounce that player. We're not in that position, because even if we renounce them, we don't have any cap space. So, um, but their cap holds, as you guys do your stuff, cap holds are a huge thing to, to evaluate. When you look at teams that have space, realistically, when we talk about who has room, look at some of the holds, they're enormous. You renounce, but if it's a player, when you renounce, remember you lose the you lose those bird rights. You lose the sign and trade. You lose the bird rights. Um, but sometimes it's easy to say let's renounce these guys. We don't want them. Sometimes it's not so easy. And what you'll see a lot of teams do is say, let's keep this player here and keep his hold here until we reach an agreement with another free agent. And once we know this player A is going to sign with us, then we renounce it. So we don't lose both. You don't really see teams renouncing until they know they've got a player coming in. But their holds are enormous. I mean, some of these holds, especially with rookie, especially some of the rookies. Yeah, it's amazing. It's huge. Big, big numbers. Has the the Marcus Williams uh, trade that pick been conveyed now? Are you able to trade future (laughs) picks? No, I, I don't think it's actually conveyed until it's actually made. Okay. Um, but I believe, this is a good question. I don't know if they hold it. I don't think, I think it's gone. Can't we can't, we can't, I mean, the lottery's passed. They can trade it, I think. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's been conveyed, but for purposes of us trading a future pick, right. I don't know that it's been conveyed. Right. And, and really technically, can you trade next year's pick? Somebody, somebody asked me. I think yeah. once night I actually. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I, I, I have to find where that would come into play. And I, obviously, there is probably a way where that does come into play, um, where you immediately trade fourteen after thirteen's made, and you do it for twenty-four. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know. Hmm. That's another. Somebody he brought that up. I think it, you can't. Well, well, that was my yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not considered them having been traded consecutively because the one's gone, so it's already behind you. I guess I think the rule is you can't have two consecutive ones gone at any time. Whereas now that one's already been conveyed, and it's it's almost as if you made the pick, even though you didn't because it's in the rearview mirror. Um, yeah, yeah. You like all these convoluted. CBA rules? Yeah. I'm sure that's the funniest thing the league has even. No, a lot of the things that are constructed, whereas last year we messed around with buying the odds back <laughs> from Utah of, of, uh, of the fact that they would get the pick conveyed to them and all these different scenarios, and can you, can you trade your percentage of the pick? And the league doesn't love going down that path. Um, but but it's, like, uh, it's like the tax code. I mean, you 
you can find areas that haven't been yep. weighed in on. Right. You, know, you could have just agreed that the pick was going to go. Right. No matter what. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You could have. Um, I just want to have a clean pick. Yeah. <laughs> Which, can, you, can you take a guard without knowing what's up with Jack? Can we take a guard in, in free agency? <coughs> In the draft pick? Sure. Yeah, we could. Um, it depends on where you pick him, what his number would be. Um, but, yeah, we, we could certainly look at whether it's even in free agency. We can do it. Um, I don't know what the price would be. Um, if, at, at any time, if an opportunity presents itself that you think makes sense for you financially and talent-wise, you do it. But um, Jack is great for us, so obviously that's a priority. Um, you have to have more information before you made that decision as to what your chances of keeping a guy like Jack were. If we draft him, I don't think so. I think he probably feels pretty secure about his position, barring us getting a very high pick or something like that. <laughs> we'll talk to him. We'll find a way to talk to him. He's our player until June 30th. <laughs> where, where does Machado fit into this? I mean, you got a little look at him. Yeah. I mean, is he comparable to maybe what Jenkins was last year at this point, or is he... Yeah, I mean, we, we had him on our D-League team. Um, obviously, I think he, he was in Houston's camp, I think, and uh, showed some signs. Summer League will be a big thing for him. I think he'll share point guard duties with, with Baysmore. Um, we, we see some things we like. We see some areas of growth that, he, that uh, need to happen. But the thing that's always most intriguing about a player like him is his, uh, his assist numbers in college were, were big. Uh, so anybody that can have a skill like that and can pass... Um, especially on our team when we have so much scoring uh, ability to score, to have a guy that facilitates is just nice to look at somebody like that, see if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Good kid. Down there working out every day. So. Do you think of Baysmore as a point guard? It's another good question um, that, that we want to see more of. I mean, he went down to the D League and handled the ball a lot. There's players that aren't point guards that handle the ball a lot. And I put him in that category. He's a good ball handler. Um, can he become a pure point guard? I don't know if he'll ever be a pure point guard, but combo certainly. I think in the summer league, even last year you saw him handle. Your current point guard, kind of yeah, right. Current point. I mean, even some people would say Jack. You know, is a, is a guy that plays some combo. Um, Machado is more of a throwback. He's probably more just a pure point guard. But yeah, Curry, Jack. A lot of combo elements to them. Played them at one and two, guarded ones and twos. Um, and a lot of the NBA is, I mean, I think if you look at the 30 starting point cards, um, and the, you know, the, the notion of being a pure point guard is maybe dissolving a little bit as to the guy that took seven shots and had 10 assists. A lot of scoring, scoring point cards in the NBA. And coach <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there, is there uh, do you look at the market and see that there's some cheap players that you pick up, uh, say you don't get a pick? Is, is there a lot of options out there? Free agency, you mean? Or, or, or like players that don't get draft free agency? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. The market usually dictates the value of a player, but uh, I can tell you from, from last season, we weren't clear on what Rush was going to get. I mean, we, we had to kind of wait it out at the risk of him getting a big offer and uh, us having to match or make a deal and a sign and trade. 
So you have a little bit of uh, time where you don't know what the market's going to do. We made offers back and forth between him and his representative, and they decided to wait a little bit, and we decided to wait and see if an offer would come, not knowing what would or wouldn't. On Landry, we didn't think we would get Landry at the number we did, um, only because it was the end of July did we get a player like that. So the value, I would tell you, as you, as you watch free agency, what typically happens is there's some big deals done immediately. And, and obviously the top high-end guys are going to get their money, whether they get it on the first agreed to or on the eighth. They're getting paid. Um, so a lot of people wait for those things to happen. And then you'll see some deals where a team has made a decision that they are targeting a player and they're going to get them and they're going to pay to get them. Um, and those deals are also done relatively quickly. And they can be all types of players. It can be mid-level, they can be $8 to $10 million players. And then what happens is a fl- there's, there's a period where everything's kind of done in a flurry and then it all slows down. And then you have the bargain hunting that goes on. Um, and then you see who's left. But if you want value for a player in free agency, it's not usually going to come on the 5th or the 8th. It's going to come on the 28th of July or August. And, and the player's going, for whatever reason, they missed the boat or they overvalued what they were. And then you get in those type of conversations. But Landry's don't come along every year. So that strategy, although the fact that it worked for us last year, there's no guarantee that that happens again. Um, and, and the market, everybody's still evaluating what the new CBA is. is. Is the mid-level type player, how many mid-level deals? It's an interesting analysis. I mean, I think it was four or five done last year. I, I, maybe the first, at one point in the NBA, there was 15 of those done every year. How many will be done in 2013? How many years will they average? So you're always always looking at the market and seeing what what's transpiring, but it's unpredictable because everybody wants to win and everybody's competitive. All the teams. You see that that's your area, the late late. Uh, well, we're not we're not a cap team, so we're not going to be able to blow anybody away um, with cap space. That's when you see a lot of the things that happen early. Um, we are up against the tax. So even at the tune of offering a quick mid-level, which sometimes you see. So we're not, you never know what's going to happen, but uh, I would put the teams that are going to be the most aggressive as usually cap space teams because there's a finite amount of space they have and they're competing with other teams that have space. So for them to get out quick and get out early is important. Um, they want to make sure their offer's there. And if they've targeted a player, which they probably have, you have cap space, you know who you want. If you have big cap space, there's one, two, or three guys you're going after, and you're competing with one, two, three, or four other teams. So you want to get your offer out there, start selling, and get a deal closed. Um, we're not in that game this year. 2014 be different, but not thir- not right now. Would you be in for a time Always looking at everything. Yeah, I mean, if it's the right player, it's the right deal. Uh, that's why information is so important. That's why we work. I mean, I'm, we are on the phones all the time. I mean, all the time. All the time. And I, I, I learned that um, from, from somebody like Arn, whose tentacles reach throughout the NBA, because you may not be able to get all the transactions done you'd like, but knowing what's happening gives you an advantage. Finding out the truth of situations. If it's even, even though we don't have a pick in this draft, we will work very hard to find out where we think players are going, what deals may be happening. And it's, it is more difficult not being in those conversations, not having a pick. 
but we work tirelessly to gather information, to gather information internally with analytics, um, with our scouts, with our staff, but also to gather information throughout the NBA. And that's why relationships are important, to know that to get a call from an agent that says, I know you like my player, but I've known you for 15 years. You're not getting him. Don't waste your time. That's a great call. I don't want to waste time on guys we have no chance of getting. So a lot of time, there's a, there's a, there's a limited amount of time in free agency to focus your energies on certain things. And to know that you're wasting that time is important too. So to have a relationship, to call somebody and say, look, we like your player, but this is what we have to spend. To get an answer like, listen, he's getting $5 million and, um, you know, I like you, but don't, don't, don't spend time on this. If you know somebody, they'll give you that answer. If you don't know somebody, the answer you get is, well, we'll keep you in mind, yeah. You know, we may circle back. You're on a list of four or five teams. And then you go back to your room with your group and your owner and spend five hours talking about something that's never going to happen. Rather than saying, I talked to so-and-so, we don't like it, but we're out. Move on. What's next? So that's why the information is important. And we're going to get surprised. You can't know everything. Um... I'll wake up in the morning at 6 in the morning and somebody will have texted and said, did you hear so-and-so went here? Didn't know that was happening. But it won't be because we're not trying to get information. Um, and, and accurate information is important to, to, to find. It never, information is never bad. So we, work, we, we pride ourselves on putting the work in. We can't get always great results, but it won't be because we didn't put the work in in free agency or in the draft.